This is Becoming Her, a podcast for survivors of abuse or assault to share their stories. I'm your host, Emily Kemp, and I'll be having a conversation with a different survivor each week. I want to be sure to include a strong trigger warning with this podcast. The content we discuss includes topics related to violence. Listener discretion is advised. All right. Hi, and welcome to the podcast, Becoming Her. Um, thank you so much for, for being here. And I, I know that this podcast will be a little bit different because you want to remain anonymous. So I want to respect that. And I'm not going to ask you to introduce yourself or anything like that. So I think the easiest thing to do is just to kind of like have you begin telling your story wherever you want to begin telling your story. Yeah. <laughs> um, hello. Um, you got it. So I um, am a survivor of child abuse. Um, my father was physically and most emotionally abusive. And then my mom, I was like thinking about this today, actually. I was like, was my mom always emotionally abusive or did she become emotionally abusive along the way just mm-hmm. from like remaining in that situation and adapting that norm? Um, but I would classify both my parents as like abusers. Okay. Um, and it's something that is still kind of to this day. I'm still, I still talk to both my parents. Like I have lengthy phone conversations with them. I go see them. Um, I was thinking about going to see them in a couple of weeks cause they just sold our childhood home. I was going to go home to help them out with getting everything ready, but I'm not going to go. Mm. Uh, but yeah. Was so. there any, any particular reason that you decided not to go? Was it? I'm working on boundaries right okay. now, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's part of it. Um, yeah, so that was that was really it. My mom was kind of like, "Well, I don't want you to come out here if you're in a bad mood," and mm. I was like, "Okay, cool." So I guess I don't need to come. Yeah. Then. So yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really complicated um, relationship when the person who abuses you is also your caretaker. Yeah. You know, um, and I think. When we talk about abuse and abusive relationships, um, obviously, a lot of people think about romantic relationships, but there can absolutely be abusive dynamics and power and control differentials present with parental relationships or other familial relationships or other relationships that aren't romantic. So um, I think your story is really important, and I'm really grateful that you're here to share it. Um so, yeah, I guess I kind of want to just have you share where did it all start for you or what, how, you know, kind of what does your story look like? Yeah. Um, hmm. It's funny because I don't talk about it a lot, like mm-hmm. ever, really. Um, and it's also funny because a lot of my friends have actually pointed out abusive patterns to me that mm-hmm. I don't really notice because these are my parents. Like I grew up loving them and having them love me because they do love me in their way I guess I don't know I'm redefining love as well right now but um I think one of my earliest memories was when I was probably I want to say around eight and I was at school and I just started crying on the playground Mm. and my friends really wanted me to go talk to a school counselor and when I went to the counselor, they were like, well, we'll have to talk to your parents. Mm. And I was like, nope, hard pass. Mm. No, thank you. Um, one, I didn't want to get my parents in trouble, you know, like, yeah, I didn't want to 
do anything. And growing up, my we had this kind of like us against the world sort of mentality. My parents were like, whatever happens in the house, like this is our business, this is mm. our stuff. So to talk about it felt like betraying them mm. in some ways. And like that was just the norm and this is just the way things are. And so I need to just kind of like grow up and stop being so like weak and stop you know like this is my family and families are complicated and and families are hard um but you know it's your family and you don't like sell your family and but um I definitely tried to run away a couple times I like hid in my friend's closet and my parents found me um because I got a bad grade in one class and I just knew what would happen and um yeah, there's just I'm so vague because I just don't I don't talk about it. I don't sure. talk about things. <laughs> That's totally okay, and you yeah, don't have is. to <laughs> dive into any details or talk about anything that you're yeah. uncomfortable with. I think what you're saying is totally relevant and really poignant. And um, yeah, I mean, I think with with this term intimate partner violence, mm-hmm. we often think of it again as being romantic, but when you look at at the way that these dynamics can play out in other relationships, what the common thing, theme is, is that intimacy. Mm-hmm. And, and what, like trust. Yes, yeah, yes. And that's what makes it so complicated. Yeah. Especially in familial relationships. Yeah. So. so I hear that you have these memories from early childhood of things, like kind of noticing that things mm-hmm. were different than other people's dynamics other family dynamics and then feeling like a loyalty to your family yeah definitely um and not even really noticing because I think my mom was always like everyone's got their shit like Mm -hmm. um so not really knowing what was going on with anyone else but feeling like I had to protect what we had I had to protect my dad and protect my mom and everything was always for the best like my sister is currently visiting my parents and um, she was, like, sending me texts, and I'm now really glad that I'm not going home because my mom was like, if, like, my sister's like, you're really controlling and you're really manipulative, and my mom was like, no, I'm not because if I actually controlled your lives, you guys' lives would all be much better. And wow, there's that's so interesting. Yeah, and my mom doesn't think that she's abusive, doesn't really identify with that at all because for her, everything she's ever done was – for the best like she just wanted the best for us and she loves us and if we refuse that then we are refusing love and Mm. so it's a very interesting and kind of like complicated thing trying to like that's why I'm like kind of working on my own definition of love right now because like is toxic love even love Mm. like my parents you know I've had friends be like oh your parents do love you as best as they can love you um but you know, do people who really love you hurt you or maybe they do? It's just... Or is that not love? Is that or not is, love? Or is yeah. it both and? Or yeah. is it either or? And is it uh, like failing of boundaries on my part and mm. things like that? Because so many people are like, well, if you do this and if you do that, then this won't happen. And I've had... And so it's just like, is there something that I'm doing to invite that sort of treatment and that sort of love. Um, but, yeah. As so. someone who who has seen a lot of abusive relationships, mm-hmm. my instinct is to say no. No. Because yeah. Because no, yeah, <laughs> nobody invites that kind yeah. of treatment ever. 
Um, and you are their child, right? So you, you like from the day you were born, there was a power differential. Yeah. Right? And they yeah. took advantage of that power differential yeah. because you were dependent on them. Um, and so that, you know, obviously creates a lot of really complicated bonds, but no, yeah. <laughs> no one deserves to be abused ever. Yeah. Um, but I also hear this, like, this really complicated reality that, like, multiple truths can exist at the same time. Yes. Which is very hard to sort through. Yeah. And definitely. understand. Yeah. Definitely. And, um... I also have, like, bipolar disorder, and so that came into play in mm. later years and, like, my teen years and everything like that. And, like, I'm a person who loves to do research and loves to read and loves to, like, figure things out, and which is both good and bad because sometimes I think I pigeonhole myself. But um, most survivors are often abusers in relationships or they become – they get in relationships – where they're abused. Either um, or. Yeah, they either become or. either the victim yeah. or the perpetrator. Yeah. And so, like, also having um, the disorder diagnosis, there was always – that became part of it for my family of, like, this is something you're doing to us by, like, not being happy and not mm. being – like, why can't you just not be sad? And why can't you just not be so um, – just yeah I don't know where I was going with that (laughs) no no I mean I I think that's that's another layer right yeah and I've heard many survivors talk about yes that come into play with that relationship and then how that portends into other relationships and one other place where they could potentially have power over you exactly yeah yeah and tell you how you should fix it and how you Mm. should be better I think that's like the one thing with my parents of just there is this constant being not good enough and too much all at the same time interesting like if I if I was just quieter or if I just did more or if I just did you know like Mm. if I was just right then things wouldn't go wrong if I just was like you know as my mom said if she if we did what she said then Mm. our lives would be better and it was kind of just yeah if we did what we were supposed to do then everything would have been okay and even sometimes now it's like oh if I make myself small enough or big enough or quiet enough or loud enough or whatever like if I do what's exactly needed for that moment then things wouldn't be the way they are and things would be okay and People didn't behave certain ways or treat me certain ways because... Like somehow you are asking for... Yeah, somehow I'm asking for it by not being the person that I should be. Like, Mm. why can't you just be more while also being less? Less. Which, let me just stop you. being enough. (laughs) Yeah, let me stop you for a second. It's so interesting because I have heard this very same dynamic play out in other abusive relationships that aren't parental so I am one person in particular is popping into my mind who told me a story about how her abuser would always tell her that she was like a stick in the mud and not fun you know who would want to be around you so then they'd go out and she'd try to have fun and like you know express herself and laugh and be joyful and then he would berate her for being embarrassing and Mm -hmm. having too much fun and being too much and too loud so you can't win no 
you know, and yeah. no, there is, it's not about an actual like standard, uh, like gold standard of being. It's yeah. about just making you feel like you're never enough all the time. Yeah. Um, but it's weird, at least, I don't know, for there's so many things with my mom that and with my parents that I hear it and it's like, oh, that makes sense. Like, yeah, like, why did I do this? Because it's your parents, you know, right. or that's that's the ideal, especially growing up in the 90s. And you have all these like great TV shows with like parent, the nuclear families and right. the parents are just like giving those like hard truths to their kids, like Boy Meets World and like right. Family Matters and all right. these. And it's like your parents care about you and they love you and they just want the best for you. And that's what my parents tell me. They just want the best for me. They right. just, you know, they've made all these sacrifices for my life and they just want me to be my best. Um and so there's this guilt that it's very confusing. Like, why can't I just be the person that they want me to be? Like, why can't I live up to that standard? Like, why, with all the potential, with all their sacrifices, with all the things that I have, why, like, mm. can't I just be good enough? Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. So. This is kind of like your yeah. foundation with your parents. This is like where it... It's a foundation with a lot of my Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of... At that, whoa, you're reading my mind. That's kind of where everyone's going. It's like, wow. Oh. How, how, yeah. How do you feel like that dynamic or that like foundational experience that you've had with your parents has like played out in other relationships? Or has it? Has it? Or what effect has it had on, on you becoming the person you are? Hmm. Big questions. Yeah. Big questions. Yeah. yeah super um, easy to answer. Yeah. Well, I uh, avoid a lot of relationships. I think I have some good friendships, things like that. Um, but it's very hard to trust. It's very hard to feel okay to be vulnerable. Mm. Um, I remember a couple summers ago when my good guy friends was like, why can't you just let me help you? Like, why can't you just accept my help? And I was like, because I don't need your help. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there is this, it's, it's hard to let, anyone be there because I should be able to take care of it myself and also with my parents everything was conditional so mm, that's yeah. if I want something then I have to behave a certain way and even after I get it if they're not happy with me then it can be taken away so mm. it's just like hmm um, you're like constantly on shifting sand yeah so to how just, do you trust how do you have a stable foundation yeah, so to just take care of myself and be by myself and not like, bring anyone down and affect anyone with myself because, you know, like, I'm not, like, who would really want to be around me and who would really want to deal with me? And, like, I have to just be so much better than I am for someone to be around me. Mm-hmm. So. And those were the messages you were getting. Yeah. From. And there's so ones that I'm working through. It's like a constant kind of process of, and it's funny, um. Because a lot of people are like, oh, you just need to love yourself more. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably, you know, like part of it. But I think I love myself a lot um, just because there's a lot of things that I wasn't supposed to do or be that my parents heavily disagreed with and, you know, disowned me. I've been disowned multiple times. No um, <laughs> multiple times. Like one of my friends is like, oh, you're disowned like, again. Like, yeah. surprise. Shouldn't like, that only happen after, once? After, after a yeah. while, you're like, oh, okay. Like, huh. 
I'm still okay. I've been disowned. But, um, you know, I haven't changed, like, I've done things, and it's like, okay, I'm just going to do it no matter what. Um, but there's still this, like, gut reaction when things happen. So of like, oh, my God, my mom was right. Like, I shouldn't do this. Mm. And oh, so something like deep, it's like a tug of war like yeah. a deep inner like voice that yeah, wasn't a deep yours and avert yeah and now you're trying to find yours and yeah kind of fight so, with each other exactly yeah. yeah and it's been like years like I moved away at 18 and it wasn't just like my parents because people become used to you the way you are like the persona I created for my family is a persona that was me and so friends get used to it and people get used to it and the minute you step outside that it's not just your abuser that kind of takes insult to that but other people because they are like why are you acting like this and like why are you being this way and like how can you be so yourself like right you know but to them yeah it's but they're not because yeah. they don't really know the real yeah, like how can you be right? so free because they're so used to you being like buttoned up and closed down and just listening and being there one thing i've noticed is anytime i do things for myself is when people are really surprised because i'm not there for them anymore because mm. i'm not 100% there for them because that was with my parents. My parents actually like divorced for a while and got back together. And while they were divorced, my mom still made us um, spend time with my dad because she felt like a father figure was a really strong, something that we really important. needed. Yeah, yeah, it was really important because it's something that she didn't have. But also my mom had gone back to school and she went to work and um, – even though I'm not the oldest child, I'm the middle child, like I was the one who cooked dinner and did the laundry and like even for my mom, my mom would be, before my parents even got divorced, my mom was like, what do you think I should do? And I was like, I think you should divorce Interesting. dad. And I think it was like 10 or 11 at that time. Um, so it was, but it was always like, what can I do to make this work? And what can I do to make this easier? And what can I do to be there for you? And it's really hard to make decisions based on what I want because it was never about what I wanted one because what I wanted didn't really matter um with my parents and also what I wanted didn't make things easier and mm -hmm. so to make things easier it's not about what I want it's about what everyone else wants and part of that's middle child syndrome part right. of that's like you know, growing up in abusive home. And part of that is you being on a one-sided relationship yeah. with your parents where you were giving more than you were receiving. Yeah. Because that's the that is, in essence, what a power differential means. Is that, you know, one person has more power, the other yeah. person has less power. So you were giving, 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 trying to placate, trying to please. Mm -hmm. And they yeah. were taking, 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 taking. Yeah exploiting manipulating yeah. and and so you were like conditioned yeah to yeah. be that person who will give and not expect to receive in return mm -hmm. which is unfair yeah and it's just funny how it plays out in other things as well yeah like kind of trying to find that voice um or not really find it but let it have more like volume sure yeah so to like yeah be okay with taking up to space. be okay with it and yeah. to be okay with taking up space in other people's lives because mm. um, I do a lot of things alone I love like going on road trips and traveling and I'll do a lot of things alone um, and there it's okay to take up space because mm. like no one else is there and so it doesn't matter what you do it doesn't matter if I just cry all day or if I like want to eat all day or if I want to run around or it doesn't matter because 
it's mine time um but taking up space in other people's lives is just it's like interesting and whenever it goes badly which it does because that's because people. being human is because really hard. being human but um it's harder for me to also rebound from negative mm. <laughs> feedback because i'm like oh my god i like ruined everything like i definitely have used the phrase like oh i ruined this person's life by being a part of it mm. because it's like that inner voice yeah because it's like oh if i had just been less right whatever i was or if i had been more whatever i wasn't or if i had just been basically anything but myself then it probably would have been okay but it wasn't me, so. Yeah. Or it was me, right. and that was the problem. Right. And I want to back up and just, like, repeat a phrase that you said that I think is really beautiful, but, like, if I could have been less of whatever I was and more of whatever I wasn't. Like, that's, I mean, that's really powerful, and I think it's a really common experience for people in general, you know, because being human is hard and being yeah. alive is hard, but then when you have the experiences that you've had, that voice takes up, so much more space it has so much more power because those were the messages that were being reinforced by your parents who are the people who you should have the most support from and who should let you be you the most you know so yeah. that's yeah that's really that's hard that's hard to carry through with you into the rest of your life and other relationships um so I just want to acknowledge that but um, I'm interested to know, too, a little bit more about how, like, your relationship with your parents has progressed over the years. So you've talked a lot about that, like, early childhood years, but what did that transition look like? Uh, <laughs> so rocky? Um, yeah. I mean, in some ways, there's been no transition, especially mm. with my mom, just because there's, like, zero acknowledgement that she's an abuser. Um, so it's kind of the same. Um I think if it's changed at all, it's just, like, more boundaries on my end. Um, With my dad, because I – so in high school, I actually had a couple of suicide attempts. And um, one of them during my inpatient treatment, we had to have a group there, like a family Mm -hmm. therapy. And so there was, you know, this confrontation of my dad and – in front of a counselor. Yeah, in yeah. front of a counselor. And so my dad is – my dad's the villain. Like, he's the known villain. My mom is in some ways abusive of him because he's, like, the one that, like, ruined everything and was just, like, this horrible man. Um, and so in some ways he's, like, really accepted that and acknowledged that and tried to move beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some ways he is who he is. Like he's never, he can't, yeah, he can't. Um, my brother has, my older brother has two kids and, you know, we're like scared to leave my dad alone with them and things like that. So it's just yeah. like, it never. And even after therapy, like my senior homecoming, I didn't go to cause like my dad was like choking me on my bedroom floor and my brother had to pull him off of me. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's something that's. Just like ever present of like, oh, it's dad. He might like lose a ship. Right. And now he's also like this. He's like seventy five or something. My dad's like an old man. He has like, and just watching my dad get old and watching the way my mom treats him, and some and knowing my dad's upbringing and everything. In some ways, 
I pity him more than anything. Like, mm. um, like I feel very sad for my parents more than anything else just because they don't seem happy. And But they're so like deep in their lives. They're so deep in who they are and they – you know, especially my mom, like, refusing to acknowledge, like, who she is and what she's done, how her choices have influenced her relationships. Um, I'm not really angry, and mm. but anger is also something, like, I'm not very good at, so it's something mm. I'm actually working on. Trying to be a little bit... <sighs> trying to be angry. Yeah, more um, outraged about it. Because, yeah, like... Sometimes like, oh, wait, no, that person actually fucked up. Like, because right. I'm very so good at being like, especially because like the first people in my life who I've had to forgive were like my parents over right. and over again. And so there's always this like, oh, they did it because they loved me. And oh, they did it because. And even my mom has said like over and over again, like, if you are hurt by anything I did, that's because you choose to feel hurt. Mm. Everything I've ever done is because I love you and I want the best for you. And in some ways, that's true. I mean, like, that it's message true. gets in there. Like, yeah. because that's how sh- – that's her truth. Right. And But anger on your part can be But anger could be like, oh, wait, no, that's like a really – f- you yeah. know, like, You no. can swear. You can say the yeah. F word. Cool. <laughs> I saw you, like, mouthing it. And I'm like, oh, is that okay? <laughs> like, you drop all the F-bombs you want. Sweet. Swears. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was something I wanted to go back – and talk about regarding your dad about like this semi acknowledgement of the things that he has done, but also you were like, you know, he is who he is. Yeah. And that's actually really a really common um, pattern that we see with abusive people is that like by the time that they've gotten to a certain point, they've escalated to a certain level mm-hmm. of violence, there aren't any effective interventions for them. And the, the best intervention is prevention, right? Yeah. So how do we like keep people from, experiencing those outcomes in the first place. And there's so many factors there and I don't really have an answer for that, but um, I just wanted to acknowledge that like, yeah, you know, I think you're right. He is who he is. Yeah. And your I mom is both, who she yeah, is. She is who she is. And there's, like, it's, they can't correct themselves at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. I think it's like a s- struggle in our family, just trying to find some sort of stasis because everyone wants everyone to change. Like everyone wants everyone to be different. And, my my mom was like she's like oh you're so angry at your dad and I'm like no I'm actually not <laughs> like because I'm not I'm not really I'm probably more angry at my mom than I am at my dad and I'm angry at other things that have happened in my life more recently and my mom just chooses to you know my mom knows everything but um you know I think yeah some people in some ways we are who we are um and if you're going to change you have to want to change you right. have to acknowledge things and be like ah damn I want to be different and most people don't want to do that you know um because it's painful and terrifying and horrible it is changes a lot of work and so knowing my parents and feeling like I have to keep them in my life because I do feel like I have to um I'm still wondering whether or not it's a choice but Mm. because I feel like I have to keep them in my life and I feel like they will be in my life forever and I have to figure out a way to you know come to grips with that then it's like okay well what can I do because my mom's gonna be my mom forever and hopefully every time I see her I'm not on this like emotional roller coaster of just like 
and horribleness. Um, so how do I, how do I make this relationship work? How do I acknowledge who she is and accept who she is, but also create boundaries so that my life is mine and my life isn't about who I should be or who I'm not. Or, or she thinks you should be. Who, yeah. Which I heard you do. You were like, I thought about going home. And yeah. then I thought again about yeah, it. It's and like, like, no, thank you. And that's you. Yeah, that was a very big boundaries. That was big. a very big boundary big, <laughs> for me. Yeah. Just being like, yeah. And I had some other plans fall through. And I'm like, oh, I should just call my parents and be like, oh, I'm going home. And then I was like, no, that's not my default. My default is not right. to go take care of. To acquiesce them to them. And to like be there right. for them and to do whatever. And to give up my power to, to them. Because I don't really want to go. And that's hard. I didn't even really say that. Like my mom was just like, oh, you just seem like you don't want to come. So I don't want you here. And I don't want you here if you're going to be depressed. And I'm like, cool. Well, I'm depressed <laughs> okay, a lot. Then. So <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll stay in Montana and be depressed here. Cool. Thanks for the out. And taking it, because usually I'd argue with her and so mm. go and like, you know, um, to, to, yeah, because it's like, oh, well, I don't want to be, you know, selfish. Right. Because I was always worried of like being selfish. Like when I first moved away, I was like, oh, you're so selfish. Mm. Yeah. And I hear it's like when these people who have conditioned you to give your power to them ask you to give your power to them it's like a relearning of how to say no I won't give yeah. you my power I'm going to keep my power and do what I need to do for myself which is like yeah. it's hard that's hard to learn without having gone through what you've been through it's like learning you know? how to I think I'll, so I currently have this like amazing psych who's I've been with for like two years and he's just always asking me what I want and I fucking hate that question <laughs> I hate it because like I never think about what I want I mm. don't I'm like well what does my sister want what does my mom want right. what does this guy want and what does like my friend want what do my roommates want and I really hate that question because I don't think about like what I want is to make other people happy like mm. I really that's what I want I want people to just be fine um but you know, now that's like a thing that I ask myself, well, what do I want? Do I want to go? Like, do I want to? It's like, oh, not really. <laughs> and it's just like, so just finding that of like, well, what do you want? And like making it okay to have choices. like a yeah. want, like yeah. that is not dependent on anyone else and recognizing that it's okay if other people are upset. Because that's not my job, right? To make sure that everyone's okay. Your like, responsibility for another human being only goes so far. Yeah. And you can really only be responsible for yourself. Yeah. Which is empowering yeah. and hard <laughs> and like, scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd love to know more about what this process of like finding you and taking back your power and asserting those boundaries like what ha does that look like for you what has that felt like for you so I had a relationship last year <laughs> and it was actually really shitty mm -hmm. um not the relationship itself but um he actually had an ex who I've now like realized is like a completely abusive human being and kind of revisiting my abuse as an adult mm -hmm. um in my first intimate romantic relationship was really eye-opening and just what I need 
to do for me because I had um, basically like living in this small town and having so many mutual friends. She just kind of like convinced everyone that was this horrible seductress that took him away, even though they were already broken up, but whatever. But so I had a lot of friends like send me threats that if they saw me, they would be my ass. That mm. I was a slut. That I was a whore. That I was an evil temptress. That, um, you know, and one of my, the only girl in Montana who like I trusted with the fact that I had like an abusive background and that um, I have bipolar disorder. Like she told this to the girl and they're like, you're this dark, like horrible person yeah. with no emotions. And like, doesn't matter how much therapy you go through, like you'll always be a horrible person. Um, God, like and really hitting every just really yeah it was just really yeah. like everything and I was like okay like first relationship here's it's all the things I really need I really hope to learn yeah. and Ouch. um I've lived a lot of places in between leaving home and coming here and this was like the first place that felt like home and after everything it really felt like home because I felt like I had to be quiet and I had to shrink and I had to like you know, I couldn't go to, like, certain bars anymore, and I couldn't um, be out anymore. I couldn't say hi. Like, I didn't, like, should I say hi? Should I not say hi? Should I, like, do? Like, I didn't know where I could be or what I could do. Um, And just having so much shit dumped on me at once and it being, like, kind of utterly ridiculous was a really huge, like, growing point for me in a lot of ways um, because it was just, like, what no like um there's definitely I don't know in the last like year I had to say goodbye to a lot of friends and family like um that I loved and that I thought loved me and I think you know like I guess in their own way they love me or like whatever but um it was just like such a challenging situation that forced me to reckon with like what do I need and what have I learned I guess over the years being in and out of therapy and um just like finding myself those are air quotes no one saw them (laughs) but they're there um you let them know air air quotes whatever finding finding yourself means Yeah. yeah um you know just being put in such a like a hard situation and it's like I don't know it's like any other tests you know it's kind of like being forged by fire and things there's like, like that. painful growth yeah it's like painful growth it was a horrible experience and i'm just still don't i'm still learning from it and growing from it but it's a lot of saying no and that's a lot of saying like what do i want like what do i want do i want to talk to my sister today and 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 it's such like such such a simple question um yeah. but, but you know being a lot of weight it can hold a lot of weight and being like children of abuse like everyone takes on different right. characteristics and, and different like when, roles in the dynamic yeah. yeah and when the whole thing was going on with my recent relationship my sister was like well you know you kind of deserved it because you didn't mm. do enough to, you didn't do anything to prevent it like why would you think anyone would have your back and you know like it's like you have to I don't, fight and she's like, I don't care. And it's like, you gotta fight through yeah, this and, narrative. And so again. many people telling me they didn't care. It was yeah. really like, wait a minute. So, why do I care about any of you? Like, wait, no, I deserve more. I think I deserve more. Yeah, no, you no deserve I more. deserve more. You know, you like, that's more. the question of yeah. like, because it's, I think it's a question at first. Right. And it's that little, and then it becomes, it's a that little voice of just like, yeah, like, wait. 
this isn't right. No, this isn't right. Like this isn't right. And just kind of like repeating it to myself. And sometimes it takes a little longer to get to those stories, you know, um, that you tell yourself because there's this gut reaction that you've learned growing up or like through this experience of just like you don't deserve this and you're not good enough for this and you're like horrible and if you were just a different person or a better person then everything would have been okay and you would have ruined everyone's lives and blah, blah, blah. Right. um and then after a while that story I guess it just gets old yeah it just holds like less weight and there's enough cracks um you know like mm. I said I have a great like psych that I've been working for with for like two years I wouldn't even have gone into the relationship um my like romantic relationship if he hadn't been there and like just having him there throughout it to kind of be that voice of doubt for the negative self-talk of being like well is that really and like being like yeah no and not just um, self-talk, yeah. but, like, the negative yeah. narrative the ne- that has been <laughs> that implanted going in yeah. you from the people yeah. who, like, created yeah. you. And That's hard to shake. That is. And then just having um, friends, and most of my close friends live very far, right? like, all different parts of the country. But I think so much of it is also being willing to listen to narratives other than the people that you trusted the most, you know, like I love my parents, I trust them. And that was always the voice I think I put above any other and letting there be doubt, letting Mm. there be like, maybe they don't know everything. And maybe this other person who's known me this long and has this perspective, like just being open to that, like doubt in so many ways can be good (laughs) because it's just like, it doesn't have to it be can be doubt so, for yourself. Yeah, it can be, it can doubting, be doubt the of, bullshit yeah, doubting the bullshit narrative. Because yeah. it's so easy to accept that truth and to right. say like, oh, that's right. This is what it is. And like, they're my parents and they said it and they know me the best. And I've definitely said that. I'm like, it's my mom who knows me better than my mom. And my best friends have been like, I mean, anyone other than your mom knows you better than your mom because your mom doesn't know you and, and also who like, knows like, you better than yourself yeah and they're like no just one what should you? know them no other person should know another person yeah. over that individual yeah. knowing themselves yeah. you know and just like taking That's back hard to trust. that yeah taking yeah. taking back that kind of like ultimate respect and ultimate power and ultimate like trust in someone other than myself and just being like and letting yeah just other influences whether it's my friends or like books and music and just like there's so many places that you can find a voice and a platform to kind of like stand on and find truth in because yeah because because (laughs) (laughs) so I kind of want to just wrap up by asking you if you could give any message out there to someone who might be listening who can resonate with your experience or who potentially has been through something similar to you, what would you want to tell them? I got really good advice one time um, to just take things one day at a time. If you can't take it one day at a time, take it one hour at a time or one minute or one second. And I think that's just it, just trying to not put so much pressure on yourself to heal to be better um to be stronger because 
yeah no matter where you're at that's where you're at and that's the only place you really need to be so yeah just give yourself like till the next second or the next minute or the next hour the next day the next week just give yourself something to hold on to and to work through and let that be it and yeah I mean, I can guarantee you that anyone who heard that is like, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for being willing to share your story. I know it can be so hard, but there's a lot of wisdom in your words, and we just really appreciate you being here. Cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's it. It's easy. It's over. Yay. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Be sure to subscribe and don't forget to check out our online community at weareher.net. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse or assault, you can always call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233.